water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So if you've ever wondered how this beautiful table comes into being, you can thank Christine. She is the one that made that happen. So thank you very much. Not only does she do a beautiful table, she reads a wonderful scripture. So I'll tell you, complete package. There you go. A little shout out. So let's uh, have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Thanks, oh God, for your word and your voice and your movement in our midst, and we pray that by your grace, some part of what is to be said will speak to that which has already been said, such that we may know what it is that you are trying to say in our lives for this time, for we pray it in Christ's name, amen. So indulge me a couple of stories. Story number one, back when I was 14 or 15 years old, I was left alone for the evening by my parents who went out for dinner with friends and I received a call while I was home alone from our next door neighbor. It was around nine o'clock in the evening and the reason for the call was that our neighbor had noticed a young man in front of the church across the street pounding on the front door. My father was the pastor of the church, thus the purpose of the call was to alert the pastor that someone in distress was pounding on the front door of his church. Nervously, I got that call, and with dad away for the evening and no cell phone by which to reach him, I thus became the person in charge. Hmm. So I walked across the street to find a young man about 10 years older than me in great distress who was desperate for someone to help him. His only thought was to come to the church. An important relationship had ended for him, and he was despondent. Can anybody help me? Well, not having any idea what to do, I did the only thing I could think to do. I took the young man back to our house and quickly called the assistant pastor. Never have I been happier for someone to pick up the phone. Could he help? Which, of course, he did. He came over, talked to the young man for a few minutes, and then took him to his own home and gave him something to eat, talked with him, prayed with him, and helped him to see that life was worth living and that things would someday get better. Looking across the street and seeing that young man pounding on the front door of our church is an image that will likely never leave me. It's remained etched in my mind for the past 40 years. When life had taken a bad turn, when hope seemed fleeting, when despair seemed overwhelming, a young man's thought was to somehow turn to God and God's people. Geneticist Dean Hamer from the National Institute of Health several years ago wrote a book called, entitled, The God Gene, in which he postulated that the genetic code of human beings includes a gene that predisposes us to yearn for, hope for, long for the existence of God, that we are somehow hardwired to believe that there is some, there, there is some transcendent being in the universe 
with whom we can have a relationship. We are programmed, in other words, to want God. We are scripted to seek the divine. Some didn't like the book because Dr. Hamer seemed to suggest that our wanting God had more to do with us than with the actual existence of God. But others found it a great affirmation or faith in that how could we want for someone who really doesn't exist? Every key belongs to some kind of lock. Our yearning for God, many believe, means that God exists. Blaise Pascal put it this way, there is a God-shaped hole in the life of every man, every woman. There is a hole inside of us that only God can fill. So in the darkness of a weekend's night, a despondent young man climbs the steps to a church and pounds on the door because he needs God to fill his hole. That's story number one. Story number two. One of the other joys of being a preacher's kid, at least this preacher's kid, is that you got to be, thanks to your father, the one who on occasion got to introduce to the church youth group a student who was new to the church, especially one that father was concerned about blending in. I was, for example, the one who got to introduce the first African-American student not only in our church but in our entire town whose family had just joined our church. I also got to be the one to introduce a young woman, I will call her name Janet, who was, in my mind, very weird, <laughs> a little out of the ordinary, kind of big, a bit clumsy, socially awkward. That's not Janet, but you know what I'm talking about, weird enough that I begged my father not to give me the job. Let her please fend for herself is what I thought. But there was no negotiation. So the next Sunday, Janet and I walked into our youth room. Meet Janet, I said to my young Christian friends half-heartedly. Frankly, that was as far as I took the job. And I let Janet from that point to fend for herself. And you can imagine how well that worked out. Snickering, whispers, cracks behind her back. I think Janet lasted a couple of Sundays with us in that youth group before she knew that that was not for her a safe place. I don't know enough about genetics to know what gene lies behind this instinctive response we have to someone different than us, someone out of the ordinary. Maybe it's the fear gene. Maybe it's the you know, fight or flight gene that's somehow scripted into our souls as human beings. It's this reactive response to people not like us, people not inside our circle, people out of the ordinary. And we never, that little youth group, we never saw Janet again. And maybe that's the way we wanted it. So we are this mysterious lot, we human beings. Inscripted inside us first is this yearning for God, this longing to be accepted and embraced and loved by God. And at the same time, this gene that makes us afraid of the stranger, the unordinary one, the different one, who of course is longing and yearning for God as well. The God gene and the fear gene, <laughs> we are scripted in a mysterious way. And don't you wonder if there isn't some of this in play when Luke tells us a story about the Ethiopian eunuch. 
Now, now, if there's anything about which we would be unfamiliar and certainly uncomfortable, it would be eunuchs. Eunuchs in the ancient world, to put it in PG terms, were men who, when they were young, for all sorts of cultural reasons, were surgically neutered, rendered, in essence, sexless. If you want to know reasons why, Google it when you go home. But suffice it to say that there was a segment of the population that did not fit the norm and in some cultures were abhorrent. The people of Israel and the law of Moses did not mince words. No eunuchs shall be, ascend, shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord, it says in Deuteronomy. Josephus, the first century Roman historian, tells us that over one of the gates in Jerusalem was a sign that, said all, that listed all the types of people who would not be admitted. Number one were eunuchs. So even baked into the script of God's people was this loud and clear message, stay away, you eunuchs. But Luke tells us that one of the newly selected leaders in the new community called the church inside of Jerusalem, a young man named Philip, heard the voice of the Spirit to get up, go outside of Jerusalem, go outside of his community, and begin down this wilderness road to Gaza. So driven by the Holy Spirit, Philip goes, and there he finds on the road a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch, a surgically altered African from as far away as one could be from Jerusalem. And this eunuch, as it turns out, has the God gene. He's got this God hole in his heart. He's got this God vacuum. And likely what he's done is he's ridden up to the gate of the temple and he's seen the sign, no eunuchs. So here we go, the God gene and the fear gene collide. And so now riding away from Jerusalem, still looking and reading the scroll of Isaiah, wondering about this figure talked about in Isaiah who himself has been rejected and scorned, namely Jesus. It gives Philip the chance to talk to this rejected and scorned new friend to tell him this good news of Jesus, that that one who himself was rejected and scorned has now been raised and all are now welcome into his kingdom. No more scorn, no more rejection, no more fear. Maybe Philip even points to the eunuch, points the eunuch to a couple of chapters later in Isaiah where it says, thus says the Lord, I will give to the eunuchs an everlasting name. You see, something's going on here, and it has something to do with this character of the Holy Spirit, this person of God who descends upon the apostles of Pentecost, who seems to surprise them at every turn, this person of God who moves inside of Philip to say, to say that no gate, no sign, no law, no uncomfortableness with anybody is to prevent people's entry into the community and life of Christ. It's that same spirit who drove Peter up the coast to Caesarea to that first Gentile family and tell them that God shows no partiality that the grace of God was for all people. You see, we don't have to be the mere product of our gene pool. We don't have to give in to this, this fear gene, this script of our double helix. Because you see, God in Jesus Christ, God in the Holy Spirit, appears to have a different script. What is to prevent me, the eunuch asks. Hmm. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And Philip says, absolutely nothing. 
Join the rest of us yearning with our God-shaped holes who bang on the door of the temple, who bang on the door of the church, who bang on the door of heaven and know that God desires all to come in. Never made much sense, has it, that we seem to keep having these debates over who's in and who's out? Whether it's the color of someone's skin or the identity of someone's gender or someone's race or someone's orientation or whether someone has made a change to their body to let this fear gene overcome the God gene. Because the Spirit of God always seems to be driving us out of our huddle down those wilderness roads far outside of our comfort zones to engage all those folks who are not like us and to hear them ask us, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And we know the answer. St. Francis of Assisi, from whom the current pope takes his name, knew the answer in his head. Knew the answer in his head. But when he, was, when he and his horse were galloping upon the Umbrian plain and came upon a leper, oh, the fear gene... That, that deep fear script inside of him that kicked into gear, and before he knew it, he was galloping away from that leper as fast or even faster than when he came upon him. But you know what the good news is? The Holy Spirit is even faster, chasing after that scared saint as Philip chased after that eunuch. Whoa, said the Spirit to Francis. Whoa, 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 someone's banging on heaven's door back there. Someone's trying to get in the gate. Someone's trying to get that God hole filled up. Someone's trying to discover again that they're a child of God. And so the saint in turn, in training, turns his horse around and gallops back and stops and dismounts and bows and kisses with a holy kiss, a kiss of welcome. Welcome into the heart of God, Francis says. Welcome into the heart of me. No fear here. No scorn here. No rejection here. Thank the good Lord. <laughs> Thank the good Lord that this long list of disqualifications that someone could come up with on me, and believe me, there's a long list of disqualifications. Backed up maybe even from verse, with verses from the Bible. That long list that would keep me from this table, this beautiful table. That long list of disqualifications on Steve McConnell that would be handed to our God. Thank God that when handed that list, he wouldn't even bother to read it. He wouldn't even bother to look at it. He just would tear it up and say, have a seat. Have yourself some bread and wine. And know that here you can get your God whole filled. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that by your grace and knowing that each of us has got some kind of hole in their life, some kind of place where 
we can know that we are hungering and thirsting. We thank you, O Lord, that you are the God who comes and yearns to fill up that hole, that vacuum. You are the God who would welcome us to this table. So we pray, O Lord, that you will open our hearts and our minds such that we can see and hear and feel your wave to this table and to know that you love us and you meet us here with your grace and your mercy, for we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So Philip asks, so the Ethiopian eunuch asks, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Maybe there's part of us that would ask the same question, what is to prevent me from coming to this table? And the good news is nothing. Nothing prevents you from coming to this table. For this table is hosted by the one who welcomes us all to come to find here his grace and mercy, his forgiveness and love, to know that here we are met by the welcoming spirit of Christ so that we can have our God holes filled. Hear the words of the institution of our Holy Supper of the Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he is betrayed, our Lord took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. Receive us at this table, O Lord, not with all of our qualifications, but quite frankly, with our disqualifications. Welcome us. Heal us, fill up that hole, that we may know once again of what grace is, what mercy is, what love is, what acceptance is. Find us at this table where we most need you to find us for the sake of your Son and our Savior who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I, I would like to invite our servers to come forward. And if you have not had communion with us before, as the servers are making their way forward. Uh, if you could make your way to the center aisle, and when you come down, you will tear off a piece of bread, and then you will grab a cup, and then you will return back to your seats to the outside aisle. If you prefer gluten-free bread, Rachel will be holding that right here in the middle. The servers are ready, the elements are ready. Come forward. This world is not my home 
Oh, this world is not my home. My home's been made at heaven's throne. This world is not my home. This life is not my own. Oh, this life is not my home. I am His and His alone. This life is not my own. I was bought when love was slain. What I cost to pay death's wage, now ransom I am freedom's slave. My Jesus raised me from the grave. Come now and walk. With me, oh, come now and walk with me. Together we, our Lord, shall meet. Come now. 